Welcome to People's Church Podcast. How many of you have ever failed before? Okay, good. How many of you are a failure? Oh, ho, 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 ho. That's harder, isn't it? So it should be. So it should be. Last week we started a little introduction into a few weekends. We're going to talk about valleys that we go through and everybody goes through. These are common. Everybody experiences them. They're unpredictable. You, you can't actually schedule them in and say, well, I think I'll be ready for a valley a month from now. You, they just come. It's the kind of thing where because it's it's something that you and I experience on a regular basis, I think it's really important for us to have the tools to deal with it and for our faith to experience it uh, in a way that leads us through it and stronger out of them. You're going to experience it. Last week, we brushed a, us alongside the valley of the shadow of death, and we just drew it into losses. And we talked a lot about fear last, last uh, week. Last week on fear was... Uh, really coming, I know, pretty strong hitting message to you and uh, stuff and, and it's been reflected in some of the comments that I've gotten back and I'm glad for those. Let me just go here a little bit. I had a moment of real deep fear last night. Did you, like it just hit me and it was like it was overwhelming. Let me get the context for you. I'm having just this weekend a little trouble with my back. Once in a while, I get a little bit of a back issue and, and you get the ache and the muscles want to give way. And so I was taking it easy. It was, I was studying up in our bedroom and ready to turn in for the night. And all of a sudden, I hear this unbelievable, shrill, decibel 190 scream true it's a true story I did so I'm getting out of bed as quickly as I can and I'm going downstairs because I knew that scream emanated from my wife and I'm thinking what did we have a break in somebody stabbing her I have no idea it sounded like the end of something so here she's coming up the stairs as I'm making my way down as quickly as I can and I hear I saw a mouse! <laughs> it is amazing how quickly fear turns to anger. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Sort of like it's very predictable. So she says, I'm going, and I think she was going to say, I'm going upstairs. And I was saying, I don't really care where you're going right now. <laughs> My heart is still thumping this morning. So I set out a couple of traps. And if we've ever had a mouse issue, you, you catch them because I know where they're going to turn up if they do come. And, I, and you catch them within minutes. We haven't caught that mouse yet. But I do believe he's dead. <laughs> or deaf. It's one or the other or both. Fear's a very powerful thing in our life. It's going to come into your life very, very quickly. Today we're going to shift a little bit to a different kind of valley. Uh, it's the valley of Siddim. S-I-D-D-I-M. It's in scripture. All these valleys are in scripture. And this valley is the valley of failure. We would call it the valley of failure. And so we're going to talk about that subject uh, today. Uh, I've entitled this one, you know, about where are we really stuck in, 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 and in the wrong way, you know. I mean, we're stuck. It's not like we're stuck in a good way, like uh, stuck in a marriage. That could be a very good thing that you're stuck a little bit in a marriage and you have to follow through and you have to grow and you have to heal and you have to forgive and you have to... Anyway, you have to forgive fear moments and stupidity and things like that. You know, when it comes to failure, this is one we hold pretty tight. But we, it really can cause us to get stuck in life in wrong ways. When was the last time, guys, you were really stuck? 
I mean, really stuck. Might have been in your, your vehicle, you know, car, truck, whatever. And it, you just, the normal stuff's not getting you out. Well, I've had an eventful couple weeks. For me, that was just last Sunday evening, late afternoon. Uh, often my granddaughter, Grace and I, we will go out, you know, side by side, in behind, into all kinds of crown land and wilderness area. And uh, so we're out there. And we're having, the t- we're having a really time of our life. We have company coming for dinner. So I know what time I got to be home, you know, to put on the chickens and do this kind of stuff. So I- I'm out there with my granddaughter. And we on the trail. And we saw, oh, about a yearling black bear. She's never seen a black bear in the wild. So it was like, oh, an exciting moment. We got to see a yearling black bear. And it was cool. It was cool. As soon as he sees us, of course, he darts into the bush and he's gone. So we kept going, and this is the first time she's ever seen it in the wilderness. So, you know, she's a little like, should I be afraid or not afraid, you know? But then she's good, and we're moving along. So we get to a spot we often stop. And we pull right into that spot, and as we're pulling in, it's a long kind of valley like this. And we, I, we see a big black bear. Like, this isn't a yearling. This is a very large black bear. And this black bear is down in this valley, just grazing away, walking around. He doesn't see us, doesn't smell us. The wind was going, we were in the right place, couldn't smell us. So as we're, as we're watching this black bear, uh, you know, like it's pretty exciting and stimulating and finally it moves off. So it's time for us to turn around and get back because I have to get back because I'm going to be putting the meat on the barbecue for company coming. And as I'm doing that, I just backed up back straight up. I didn't bother looking behind. I mean, uh, I've got a winch. I've got like four-wheel drive, four-diff. I've got it all. So it's like, I'm not going to have an issue. I back straight up. And guys, you'll know when you're on those trails, sometimes the high side is really high from all of the quads and everything. You know what I'm talking about? So I back over this way over that. And I'm sitting here with four-wheel drive and two wheels floating in the front and two wheels floating in the back. I was stuck. Pull out the winch, no problem. Hook the winch to a tree, start to reel it in, battery dies. Now, if you know anything about mechanics, once a battery dies, it's an electric winch, so you can't winch. So I'm stuck now without a winch. I have a little booster thing along, you know what you carry. And I boosted it and started it and tried to work it. Battery was just about shot. After about an hour and a half of trying and late to put the meat on, I decided I needed help. That might have took me two hours. Okay, takes a long time sometimes to make that decision. So I phone up my nephew because I know every time I phone him about something, what I'm going to hear. And Curtis, if you're watching, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm going to hear some kind of snide comment or sarcastic comment about getting stuck. True to form, I hear it. So he comes, he just latches on, pulls me out, no problem. And battery shot. It's a zoo. We get back late. The chickens go on late. Our guests have arrived for, they've been sitting for some hours. Have you ever had a day like that, a night like that? Right? Good news, chicken didn't burn. (laughs) It was good. Have you really been really stuck? Getting stuck in life, more, more than anything, we get stuck in past failures. And then we get stuck with a fear of failure in the present or in the future. Because it moves from what you had in existence in the past to take hold of your present and your future. And once it's got a hold of your future, it's got a hold of every window out of your soul. Past, present, and future. That's getting really stuck. Let's talk about failings and failure. Let's dive into this. Failings are meant to be fuel for growth. Failings really are meant to be the fuel of growth in your life. Some of you are saying, boy, then I really, I really grown. I keep growing, I guess, because I got lots of failings and I just keep 
going, I hope. Growth and change. Change that makes sense. Change that makes you stronger. Change that makes you better. Change that takes you to places you couldn't have gone without having those failings. Failure is making our failings permanent. Not temporary lessons, not temporary enrichments. Not temporary things that are jar parts of us awake that maybe needed to get woken up with screams you're precinct I'm still got this going on in there it's echoing still failure is making our failings permanent and robbing us of momentum failings can give you momentum failings and failure are completely different things failings are a part of our process so let's talk about this valley in scriptures called the valley of Siddim or failure in Genesis 14, 1 through 11, the story is found, but there's only one key verse I'm going to focus on, but let me give you the story. It's, it's a great war story. <laughs> there were four kings that were really dominant kings in that area of the Middle East. In fact, if you expand out from the Dead Sea area, they would be in the surrounding territories uh, around there. And these four kings got together to come and invade that valley. And when they were coming to invade that valley, the others had told them, these other kings of these small cities had said, we're not paying you taxes anymore. And so what transpired was that they had come to bring order and renew the tax base, and so they came. The king of Sodom, king of Gomorrah, and three other kings got together to oppose them. They met in this valley of Siddim. And in the valley of Siddim, the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, and these other three with them turned and fled. When they turned and fled, that area is filled with sticky tar pits. And when they turned to run, they ended up falling into these tar pits. Here is the scripture in 10. This valley was full of sticky tar pits, and when they tried to run away from the battle, they slipped and fell in the pits. Let's just take some process there. There's a process here. You run away, you slip, you fall, you get stuck. Do you recognize the process? You run away, you slip, you fall, you get stuck. You run away from things that need to happen in the negative or positive within your life. You're going to slip, you're going to fall, you're going to get stuck. That is a process in life that will create failure because you have turned to run. Failings are an interesting thing. You can lose a battle but have been in the battle right to the end. You can be there on the battlefield with all of your mates down around you and you might be the only one left standing but you didn't turn and run and in not turning and running, that other process didn't kick in, you didn't slip fall and get stuck. These men didn't die in battle, they died in fear. They died and became a failure in that whole battle simply because of turning and running. When we don't face the obligations of our life, of the roles of our life, oftentimes we tend to shrink back from these roles. You know, parenting is a tough role. And sometimes we're not staying in that facing it. Sometimes we turn and we run and then we slip and then we fall and then we get stuck. Sometimes it comes into our economics. We don't stand and face what we need to stand and face. Then we turn and run and slip and fall and get stuck. Sometimes it's in our roles that we perceive our greatest weakness and often that's where it will show up but we take the wrong tactics at the time. Are you stuck for the wrong reasons? Not because the battle was so great, but because you actually didn't go into the battle. Or you shrunk back from the battle, or you turned your back on the battle. What is it that you're ignoring right now, that your battle that you're in, that you are taking that position of turning away from and running? What needs to be discussed within your key relationships of life? What needs to be discussed between you and God that he's been putting his finger on your life for some time, some things in your life? 
What is it that you and God need to finish up? You need to stay in the battle. You need to stay in the battle. Because out of this, once you get stuck, it's a very difficult thing to get out of that, star, that tar pick and you are simply sitting out there a sitting duck for the enemy. And here's how the enemy works. You know, because when, when you, if you're gonna get out of it, you're gonna have to take action. But to take action when you're in a tar pit or stuck anywhere, you need traction, which I didn't have in that side by side in those moments. And then the enemy brings distractions. He's a great distractor in life. He will distract you in different ways. Let's go over some of the common distractions that he uses. He'll use bad attitudes. You know, I, I wasn't really totally aware in a plane that there's an actual attitude meter. Did you, how many know there's an attitude meter in a plane? Did you know there's an attitude meter? It's just weird. You have an attitude meter. What does that measure? Like how the pilot's doing today? Like how he's feeling? What is this talking about? Not an altitude meter, of course you have that. But an attitude meter. And an attitude meter in a plane just basically is telling them the note where, how, how the nose of the plane is in regard to pointing up or pointing down. Is it pointing up or is it pointing down? Isn't that a great thing when you think about it for our lives? A little bit of an attitude meter. The, the, our, our distractions often come through an attitudes in our life. That we, we are not pointing up, we're, we're pointing down. When we're pointing at the ground and we're losing altitude and we don't know, but every energy in our life is not lifting us, it's actually taking us down. All the thrust of your life is pointing you into the earth. Your attitude meter needs to wake up. If he can get control of your attitude meter, if the enemy can somehow keep you with your attitude pointed to the ground and not up, that's a huge distraction because you're in peril. And with given time, that peril becomes obvious. Another one is excuses, common distractions. When we are in failings, uh, we often, if we start in failings, just making excuses, you're taking yourself out of the learning process. So every time that I have a, have a failing, which is part of our living, which can be a great asset in your life for growth and change. But if I use excuses, then what's happening is I'm taking myself and separating myself from the reality, the ownership of this. I'm disconnecting my ownership of my failing. And if I disconnect from the ownership of my failing, I can't learn. Excuses. You and I have got them. We've used them over and over again. Well, it's because of, and then fill in the blank. It's going to be something either about the day, the uncontrollable circumstances, the uncontrollable people. It's going to have something to do with those kinds of, of things. And all you're doing is taking yourself out of the learning game. So you never get to adjust that attitude meter. Excuses. Procrastination is another common distraction. What is procrastination? It's simply knowing good things to do, but applying no resources of energy, time, focus towards actual action steps. Simply because you're procrastinating. You, already, you don't need information. Information process is over. When you procrastinate, information process is done. Okay? I, I just fixed a faucet in uh, our downstairs washroom. It, it was something that's been with us for like, I hate to ask my wife, but it's been there a long time. She'd exaggerate, but it's been there for probably a year. Longer? All it was needing was a new aerator, guys. Guess why it didn't get fixed for all that time? Procrastination. And why was I a good procrastinator? I always had a good excuse. And why did I always have a good excuse? Because I had my nose pointed to the ground on that one. Another thing that we do 
that he, he distracts us with is busyness. Somebody asked me just the other day, how are you going? And I said, oh, going, going good, going good. I mean, it's really busy. And then I reflected on that afterwards. I said, it is busy, but why did I put that forward? Why couldn't he just be, I'm doing really good. What was it about me putting forward busyness that somehow, you know, was important to me in that moment of time? Why do we use that? Well, I'm just busy. I couldn't fit you in right now, I'm busy. It may be absolutely true. But the fact is, the moment that we are playing those cards, we're dealing with something usually much deeper. Because busyness can be something that we draw value off of so that we don't have to face failings. Well, if I had actually managed things right, I could have actually been probably more effective. Busyness can be an out and a distraction. I'm really busy. How do I fit, you know, this, this deeper walk with my faith and the purpose that God has for my very breath? How do I fit that into more expression in my life when it's already so... We're just too busy to really sit down and work out these relational details. We'll get to it. We'll deal with this, this child thing. It's, it's going to come. We'll get there. We're just too bit busy. Busyness. In our society, this is lifted up as a huge value. A value. You're valuable if you're busy. If you're not busy, you're lazy. If you're not busy all the time, James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. He's going at bad attitudes, excuses, procrastination, and busyness. And he says, quit listening and do. Romans 7.18, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. That is just like procrastination and excuses. You and I often are all the right intentions of the world with our faith, with our families, but we have no traction because we're too easily distracted. And we love that kind of distraction because it takes us out of the uncomfortable day or comfortable process of maybe some conflict, by the, by the way, which will be a valley next week. How do you deal with conflict in life? Yeah. How do you gain momentum out of ruts? How do you do that? Hebrews 12, 12 says, so take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. <laughs> Boy, that is so much like uh, what we have to do sometimes. Just give our heads a shake, our bodies a shake, and you take a new grip on what you have as far as your valley. If, what, if you're in this valley of Siddam and you've got some failings going on, that is just fine. That can be energy for growth towards great change in your life. But you've got to take a new grip with tired hands because these valleys will test the strength of your own hands and strengthen your weak knees. You know what that means. You get weak in the knees through fear, right? He's saying strengthen your weak knees. Knees. Let me give you some things that you do. Specifically, you're going to have to disrupt your patterns in life. You got patterns in life that you serve. They don't serve you. You serve them. And you put those patterns in place. And the reason that we want to lock them down is because they create a predictable environment and flow for us in life. Predictability can be very important to us. I want to know what that means, what this next day means. The worst thing you can do sometimes for people is to give them too wide of a scope without enough clarity and then they just freeze. 
Luke 12, 51 message says, do you think I came to smooth things over and make everything nice? Not so, I've come to disrupt and confront. Jesus came to disrupt and confront. What does he want to disrupt? Your patterns. What does your pattern look like? Your pattern looks like probably something like this. In the morning, you might pull out, find out uh, what your current emails are. You might take a look at your current messages. Uh, you'll take a moment to maybe get caught up on the news real quick. You'll begin getting ready for work or whatever is coming next. And uh, you'll start getting your thoughts into your day. Then when you go through work, you have predictable patterns at work. And when you come home, there's a predictable pattern. When I get home, I'll just try and take a little bit of breath and then I'll dive into that project again. Uh, we'll eat dinner and then after dinner, we'll find some entertainment. And after we found some entertainment, then we will go and put our heads on the pillow again at which time you'll probably get caught up on your emails, you'll probably get caught up on your messages, and you'll probably get caught up, you understand patterns. What if God wants to interject something into your pattern and say, you know, I know you're usually doing this at the time, but I got something else for you. Do you know why you find it hard to incorporate new people into your life? Because they confront your pattern. Because they don't fit with your pattern. It means you're going to have to open up your house. It means you're going to have to actually make time. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to prepare. It's going to cost you. So every time we move away from people, it's because we are hanging on to the patterns that we should be confronting because these patterns are as good as any jail cell. Or they don't need to lock the door on the bars. They don't need to do that. You've already got it. So this is with, where we can't take failings and grow. We are just in sort of this blind pattern. You've got to disrupt that pattern. Secondly, make your faith pragmatically reliant upon God's strength. We talk about God's strength as Christians, but to be pragmatic about God's strength, what does that mean? It means, it means the idea that it, God's strength is really shown up in the actual pragmatic things of your life. What are pragmatic things? Things that are constantly a part of your life. Your job, the challenges at job, the challenges in your roles as parents, your challenges in your roles as a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter or challenges in your life when it comes to the idea of just managing money, managing energy, managing time. Did you know God wants to be an in, a very great part of that? And his strength is meant to be pragmatically lived out, pragmatically. We think it's just for those overarching big things in life. It's for every day of your life. God wants his strength to be pragmatically relied upon. You know, the end of our, of our own strength is a turning point of discovery of the difference of God's strength. There's a big difference between God's strength and your strength. You can do a lot of things, but I'll tell you what gets disturbed more when it's reliant upon you and it's all about your strength is that you get less peace and less joy because you get robbed because your strength is going down. Here's the biggest difference when you're relying on God's strength. All of a sudden, patience is kicking in, so endurance is there. You've got the ability to not just have a drainage going on. The other day somebody asked me, what is balance in life? I said, I've learned it this way. Balance is a tank that can be filled and can be emptied. And that both filling and emptying is a process that you go on in a regular way in life. Balance is not me finding somewhere right in the middle and, and if I drive a kilometer, oh, put it back in, let's get it right on that dead set in the middle. Balance is that I'm confident that if I'm about the right things in life, the roles that God has given me, living out my faith in a very pragmatic way, as I do that, I know that my tank's going to come from full and it's going to begin draining because I'm going to do that. That's what it costs. And then I know I am able to have that tank filled because of my relationship with God. So he just restores my soul. That needle on the gauge in your 
car or vehicle is meant to go up and down. You say, oh, I thought it was not meant to go down. It's meant to go down. God didn't put you here so that you could live and have a full tank way out over here. Do you know what that says? You're not going anywhere. You haven't gone anywhere. You haven't turned any wheels. You haven't taken on any adventures or challenges. You haven't done anything. But I got a full tank. You think you do. But you have not entered into the purpose of what a full tank is for. And when you start emptying it at whatever capacity it gets down to, and you have the disciplines and the pragmatism of your faith, God then comes in and he begins to restore your soul and brings to you what you need. And he starts filling that tank up again. It's up, it's down. It's up, it's down. If you're just living with a tank way down here all the time, and you're like, you're, you're like, Sometimes I have driven where it's on that red thing and then that, that gas thing comes on your dash. You know what I'm talking about? How many know how to drive on that? How many, how many here know exactly how far you can drive on that? I, I bet you some of you got it down to, oh, that, that, that is 30 miles. I got 30 miles or, or somewhere around 50 clicks on this thing. So that's what I've got, you know. When it hit, that thing pops on, I'm okay. How many have ever said that to themselves? Come on, be honest. Thank you. Okay. So, it's, but it's, we know we got to go fill up. But if you're that kind of person, I'm not going to fill up. I'm just going to get it above so that thing's not in my face. So, I'm going to put in a couple bucks worth of gas, which today is about four drops. And you get that so that thing kicks off of your, in front of your gauge. And you think, I'm doing really good. I got enough now to go to town and back. I got enough to drive around for a half a day. I'm okay here right now. No, because you're not filled. When you, when you bring it down, it's okay. Don't get afraid about a tank that's going down. Get afraid of a tank that can't go down. And get afraid of a tank that can't go up. If you've got a process, filling, emptying, filling, emptying, filling, emptying, welcome to balance. You're living, you're alive, you're turning wheels. But you're not stupid. You are pragmatic with your faith. You fill up, you draw near to God, you draw near to people that feed you. You have relationships within your life that you go to that you know they're gonna just kind of lift that up and fill your tank a little bit. You go visit some people and you've just gained a half a tank, you know? It's just you walk out and say, wow, my tank just went up. Or you go to prayer. You break your, your routines and you go to prayer. You actually take pragmatically things to God and say, God, I don't know if you care about all this, but today I had this little exchange with my kid and it's troubling me. God, this happened at work today. Uh, I got to give this one to you because it's one of those little thorny things that's grabbing me right now and, and I don't want it turning in my, in my heart all night. My mind needs to be free. And I read some scriptures. Because I'm pragmatic about it. The fact is you need to disrupt your patterns. You need to learn the difference between God's strength and your own. God's strength will cause you to actually turn some wheels and really burn some rubble, rubber, but you will empty your tank, but he will fill you again. That's the difference with God's strength. You can't fill your own strength again. You, you ratchet it down and then you look to the holiday and you come back tireder than before almost. For I can do everything with the help of Christ, who gives me, who gives, give, get that word, gives. You didn't earn it. You called for it. It's a thing of faith. Who gives me the strength I need. He fills your tank, gives you what you need. Because you turned away from it's just living in your own strength and you call that pragmatism? Faith is the most pragmatic thing in the world because it allows you to tap resources bigger than your own.
Okay, so how in the world do I continue to keep doing this? Do one thing you know you need to for traction right now, but do it in the smallest way. What, one thing you might need for traction right now is to cut the excuses. So just for one day, starting let's say today, oh yeah, to start today, for any kind of failing on your part, maybe you fail verbally, maybe you fail you know, mentally, maybe you fail emotionally, maybe you fail physically, however you fail, Start owning it. Drive up the ownership. Let's take out the excuses and just do it in the smallest way. When you see it in the smallest way, catch what you're doing. I'm taking myself out of the learning process. What we want to do to get traction is not try and change one big thing totally in this perfect model in one day. You take something that may be big, but you just change it in the smallest way. Get it going a different direction. The Bible says if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. That holds a lot of people back. We saw a video on that today, failure. You just, if it can't be perfect, hit the repeat button to create persistence. When you're doing the smallest, the big things in the smallest way, just hit, hit the repeat button. Whatever it is. Maybe you need to pray today. Maybe that's something. You're not filling your tank. Maybe you need to just take three minutes apart with God alone. Do it in a small way. Three minutes. If you want to put yourself on the clock, do it. And list out the things right now that are, that are in your mind and your struggles, what you're facing, the enemy that you're facing. You just give it out to God. Take three minutes to do it. Do it in a small way and then repeat it tomorrow. And then repeat it the next day. Hit the repeat button to create persistence. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in, in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Failure devastates us. Because it points out our imperfections. That's why you fear it. It shows where you're, not, where you're not perfect. It shows the flaws. It shows your flaws. So we really don't like failure. And it's devastating because it reveals parts of us that we work on hiding. And that leads to the process of excuses. You see, we lack the courage the courage to be imperfect. It takes huge courage to be imperfect. Did you know it takes huge courage? It takes huge courage to be imperfect. To say, yeah, here's where I fall short. I started off with who's, who here has a broken halo? Well, if this is news to you today, it's good news. You have a broken halo. It used to shine in this way, but now it's not shining anymore. You must, lack, you must have courage to acknowledge and take ownership of the things that are imperfect in your life and about you. Attitudes, habits, protections that you know are on the negative side of the scale. Paul said it best in Philippians 3.12. Not as though I had already attained, but I'm not successful yet nor, nor already perfect, but I follow on. This is getting near to the end of his ministry. And Paul writes something very, very courageous. He never seemed to feel the need to hide his imperfections. I mean, he said, but for the grace of God, there go I. He's saying, I am the chief of sinners. That was his headline. That was his banner. Ownership, 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 ownership.
Here's what Paul said. I'm not successful yet, nor already perfect, but I follow on. You know what one of the most disappointing moments in life is? It's often when you meet the person that you've put up with the star. You run into a Hollywood star somewhere in an airport and you actually get to stand next to them and get a picture taken and then they kind of like scowl at you or whatever. And you're, oh boy, that just took that out real quick. Whenever we find disappointments in others' perceived perfection that somehow, they're just somehow above me in these ways. Look, everybody has broken halo. And you and I, need to have the courage to be imperfect and to acknowledge those imperfections and to own them because that creates a healthy pattern. It disrupts unhealthy patterns. And because that allows God's strength to come to us because we're owning these things that I don't have strength that's needed here, but Jesus will give me the strength that I need. My tank is stuck on this thing on the dash that says I'm empty. If you're here and it's stuck on the field and you're saying my life is boring, my relationships are boring, I'll tell you why, you, you, you got a full tank and you're not going anywhere. Where do you start with all of this? You have to change your theology on failings. These are not your enemies. They are not to be hidden in such a way as to never be known. But where they can actually create growth and change in your life, acknowledge. So that they become something of growth and they're not just leading you down a path of failure where you're stuck in tar pits with the enemy able to shoot you down so quickly, so easily. Are you stuck for the wrong reason? Are you stuck because you lack courage? Are you stuck because you just keeping that tank just, just a little bit above that red? Or you haven't even taken anything on that's a challenge that's going to take your faith and exercise it then take your resources and exercise them. You're stuck on full and you're bored to death because you've taken life nowhere. Where are you at today? Because when we get stuck in that way, failings will finally change and morph into Failure. Because you're taking it there. Not because God took it there. Not because he didn't do what he was supposed to do. It's because you did what you weren't supposed to do. And you're still doing what you weren't supposed to do. And God is somebody who is not pragmatically involved in your life. So how many failings determine a failure? You determine that. It might be one. And then up go the screens to hide, to excuse, to redefine. But I'll tell you this, no matter what the number is, it becomes a failure on the day you give up. Oh, not on yourself. No, no, that, that'd be a, human, a humanistic way to view this. No, 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 not give up on yourself. Be the day you give up on God. You say, I would never give up on God. You got a broken halo. We give up on God when he is not pragmatically involved in our life. He calls you to live a faith that practices itself in all that comes your way. 
it grows stronger through the failings. It's really up to us. Let's stand together. The Valley of Siddim. They turned. They ran. They slipped. They got stuck. Time to get unstuck. Your point might be just, God, I have bought into all those distractions. My attitude is definitely pointed towards the ground, not up. Excuses, I got them all, used them all. Procrastination, I got, I, I got so many journeys at the start line I have not begun. It's not lack of knowledge. I just haven't done it. I, I haven't done it, God, because simply I, I don't want to disrupt my pattern. I haven't done it because, Lord, I, I don't want to be reliant on strength outside myself. I want to be the measure of the strength of my life. Busyness. I have mistook busyness for productivity and effectiveness and meaning and purpose. And it's none of those things. The enemy's busy and he has nothing to do with anything good. It's not busyness in itself that creates value or purpose or meaning. Let's make some decisions. Man, God's got his hand on you. I'm so glad you're here today. Beautiful summer day. But here you are. Because I know God means something to you. I know that Jesus holds a precious place in your life. So I challenge you to take that into a pragmatic 24-hour experience. Disrupt your patterns that are against the ownership and the distractions. Get serious about some things that you really know you've marginalized, you kept it out here. Get serious about them in your relationships. Get serious about them in your economics. Get serious about them in your health. Get serious about them in the way that you live out your faith. You will see God's actions when you own what you need to own and he owns you. Fathers, we bow our heads. There's no halos in this room that have not been broken. Our marriages, the halos we entered with have been broken. Our economics, the dreams we had and, and when we went at it, it didn't control us or, or, or cause us to serve, it, serve money, but God, that halo's been broken. The things that our pride and ego want to latch onto, Lord, and uh, that, that we started out in the good column of really being a servant and really bringing service, but that halo's been broken. God, hear our cry. Forgive us. God, hear our cry. Use us. Restore us. Forgive us for being so selfish with our tanks. To keep them full only for our own enterprises and our own selves. Forgive us, Lord, where we have tried to use a lot of things in our life just for ourselves. And so a tank that's empty never gets really refilled. Because it's all about our own strength and our own glorification. Forgive us, Lord, because we have not been courageous about our imperfections. But I make one declaration. You may want to make this declaration in your heart, believers. Listening online or right here in the auditorium, you may want to make this declaration. But I declare from this point onward 
that I'm the one that determines the failure. And it will only become a failure when I give up on you. And I am not giving up on you. I return to you this morning in a humble fashion in these areas where I know these are not good areas. Where I know I'm hiding or running and slipping and falling and getting stuck. Lift me out of these tar pits. Put my feet on solid ground again. Lead me forward in the exercise of my roles in my family, my workplace, my friendships, my ministry of service to you. So Jesus Christ, I honor you and I once again name you as my Lord, my King. And I return my feet to the ground that are solid, where I am owning my things and calling on your strength to carry me forward. You are my center. You are my core. You are my leader. You are my king. You are my ruler. You are my God. I declare it. In your name, I make these declarations. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.